Welcome to Sleepy Head Stories today. We love to read books, be silly, and play. Me and my mommy are here every week to read you great stories that all are unique. Join us at bedtime, or bath time, or breakfast. We promise it's better than a trip to the dentist. Welcome to Sleepyhead Stories. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Sleepyhead Stories. Hello. Hello. This week, we're going to do something a little different, so I'm going to make this introduction quick. We are going to start to read a book that I've wanted to read for a long time now. But I never knew when was a good time to read it. And I feel like this is a good time to read this book. Because we're all at home. Because we're all at home and we have the time. This is a special book that your parents will probably remember from when they're little. Or they might have even watched the movies. I used to love to watch the movies. This book is called The Wind in the Willows. And I think I know two characters in there. Yeah. The frog. Yes. And whatever that like other one is like that one I think he's an otter right so it's similar to Peter Rabbit in the sense that it's about a world of animals right is written sort of in the same kind of tone as a Peter Rabbit book but it's different characters are different and there are a few movies out there you can find them on YouTube and Netflix from a long time ago they used to be my favorite to watch and I think today we'll watch it what do you think on Sundays and Sundays. Oh, on Sundays. Okay, we'll wait till Sunday. So please, I also think that they're coming out with a new version, a new movie version of the book soon. So that'll be cool. I but think you already did. There are nine chapters. They're pretty long. So every chapter is going to be a new episode. Yes, I was just going to say that. Right. And this week's first chapter is called and I think The Riverbank. And... Yeah, it's called Riverbank, and mm-hmm. I think them, the characters are kind of funny because they are wearing clothes like they're humans. Right. And there's an otter, and that's a, what's that one called? He looks like a, a mole or something. I'm an otter, a mole, and a frog. Right, and there are more characters that we'll find out as we read throughout really? the book. Yes, there, there are. Yep. Yes. So, guys, after these messages, we're going to get started with chapter one. Yes, but I'll be somewhere else. (laughs) Conchetta's already heard it, so I'm going to read it because it's quite long and we don't want to have really too many interruptions during the book, so we'll get into that afterwards, right? Yeah. Yeah. Bye. Bye. The Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham Chapter 1 the riverbank. The mole had been working very hard all the morning, spring cleaning his little home, first with his brooms, then with his dusters, then on ladders and steps and chairs, with a brush and a pail of whitewash, till he had dust in his throat and eyes and splashes of whitewash all over his black fur, and his aching back and weary arms hurt him. Spring was moving in the air above and in the earth below and all around him, penetrating even his dark and lowly little house with its spirit of divine discontent and longing. It was a small wonder, then, that he suddenly flung down his brush on the floor and said, "'Bother! 
and oh blow and also hang spring cleaning and bolted out of the house without even waiting to put on his coat. Something up above was calling him imperiously and he made for the steep little tunnel. He scraped and scratched and scrabbled and scrooged and then he scrooged again and scrabbled and scratched and scraped working busily with his little paws and muttering to himself, up we go, up we go, till at last, pop, his snout came out into the sunlight and he found himself rolling in the warm grass of a great meadow. This is fine, he said to himself. This is better than whitewashing. The sunshine struck hot on his fur, soft breezes caressed his heated brow, and the carol of happy birds fell on his hearing almost like a shout. Jumping off all four his legs at once, in the joy of living and the delight of spring without its cleaning, he pursued his way across the meadow till he reached the hedge on the farther side. He thought his happiness was complete, when, as he meandered aimlessly along, suddenly he stood by the edge of a full-fed river. Never in his life has he, had he seen a river before. This sleek, sinuous, full-bodied animal, chasing and chuckling, grippling things with a gurgle and leaving them with a laugh, to fling itself on fresh playmates that shook themselves free and were caught and held again. All was a shake and a shiver, glints and gleams and sparkles, rustle and swirl, chatter and bubble. The mole was bewitched, entranced, fascinated. As he sat on the grass and looked across the river, a dark hole in the bank opposite, just above the water's edge, caught his eye, and dreamily he fell to considering what a nice, snug dwelling place it would make for an animal with few wants, above water, level, and remote from noise and dust. As he gazed, something bright and small seemed to twinkle down in the heart of it, vanished, then twinkled once more like a tiny star. But it could hardly be a star in such an unlikely situation, and it was too glittering and small for a glowworm. Then, as he looked, it winked at him, and so declared itself to be an eye. And a small face began gradually to grow up round it, like a frame with a round picture. A brown little face with whiskers, a grave round face with the same twinkle in its eye that it had first attracted his notice. Small, neat ears and thick, silky hair. It was the water rat. Then the two animals stood and regarded each other cautiously. Hello, mole, said the water rat. Hello, rat, said the mole. Would you like to come over, inquired the rat. It's all very well to talk, said the mole, rather pettishly, he being new to the river and river life and its ways. The rat said nothing, but stooped and unfastened a rope and hauled on it, then lightly stepped into a small boat, which the mole had not observed. It was painted blue outside and white within, and was just the size for two animals, and the mole's whole heart went out to it at once even though he did not yet fully understand its uses. The rat sculled smartly across and made fast. Then he held up his forepaw as the mole stepped gingerly down. Lean on that, he said. Now then, step lively. 
and the mole, to his surprise and rapture, found himself actually seated in the stern of a real boat. This has been a wonderful day, said he, as the rat shoved off and took to the skulls again. Do you know I've never been in a boat before in all my life? What? cried the rat open-mouthed. Never been in. You've never been. Well, what have you been doing then? Is it so nice as all that? asked the mole shyly, though he was quite prepared to believe it as he leant back in his seat and surveyed the cushions, the oars, the rowlocks, and all the fascinating fittings and felt the boat sway lightly under him. Nice? Is it nice? It's the only thing, said the water rat solemnly as he leant forward for his stroke. Believe me, my young friend, there is nothing absolutely nothing, half so much worth doing as simply messing about in boats. Simply messing, he went on dreamingly. Messing about in boats, messing. Look ahead, rat, cried the mole suddenly. It was too late. The boat struck the bank full tilt. The dreamer, the joyous oarsman, lay on his back at the bottom of the boat, heels in the air. About in boats, or with boats, the rat went on, composedly picking himself up with a pleasant laugh. In or out of him, it doesn't matter. Nothing seems really to matter. That's the charm of it. Whether you get away or whether you don't, whether you arrive at your destination or whether you reach somewhere else, or whether you never get anywhere at all, you're always busy and you never do anything in particular, and when you've done it, there's always something else to do, and you can do it if you like, but you'd much better not. Look here, if you've really nothing else on hand this morning, suppose we row down the river together and have a long day of it. The mole wagged his toes from sheer happiness, spread his chest with a sigh of full contentment, and leaned back blissfully into the soft cushions. What a day I'm having, he said. Let us start at once. Hold on a minute then, said the rat. He looped the painter through a ring in his landing stage, climbed up into his hole above, and after a short interval reappeared staggering under a fat wicker luncheon basket. Shove that under your feet, he observed to the mole as he passed it down into the boat. Then he untied the painter and took to the skulls again. What's inside of it? asked the mole curiously. There's cold chicken inside of it, replied the rat briefly. Cold tongue, cold ham, cold beef, pickled herring, uh, salad, French rolls, screws sandwiches, spotted meat, ginger beer, lemonade, soda water. Oh, stop, stop, cried the mole. That is too much. Do you really think so? inquired the rat seriously. It's only what I always take on these little excursions, and the other animals are always telling me that I'm a mean beast and cut it very fine. The mole never heard a word of what he was saying, absorbed in the new life he was entering upon, intoxicated with the sparkle, the ripple, the scents, and the sounds, and the sunlight. He trailed a paw in the water and dreamed long waking dreams. The water rat, like the good little fellow he was, sculled steadily on and forbore to disturb him. 
I like your clothes, old chap, he said, after some half an hour or so had passed. I'm going to get a black velvet smoking suit myself someday, as soon as I can afford it. Oh, I beg your pardon, said the mole, pulling himself together with an effort. You must think me very rude, but this is all so new to me. So this is a river. The river, corrected the rat. And you really live by the river? What a jolly life. By it and with it and on it and in it, said the rat. It's brother and sister to me, and ants, and company, and food, and drink, and washing. It's my world, and I don't want any other. What it hasn't got is not worth having, and what it doesn't know is not worth knowing. What lies over there? asked the mole, waving a paw toward a background of woodland that darkly framed the water meadows on one side of the river. That, oh, that's just the wild wood said the rat shortly. We don't tend to go there very much, we river bankers. Aren't they, aren't they nice in there? said the mole a trifle nervously. Well, replied the rat, let me see. The squirrels are all right, and the rabbits, some of them, but rabbits are a mixed lot. And then there's Badger, of course. He lives right in the heart of it, wouldn't live anywhere else, even if you paid him to do it. Dear old badger, nobody interferes with him. They'd better not, he added significantly. Why should nobody interfere with him? asked the mole. Well, of course, there are others, explained the rat in a hesitating sort of way. Weasels and stoats and foxes and so on. They're all right in there. And I'm very good friends with them past the time of day when we meet and all that. But they break out sometimes. There's no denying it. And then, well, you can't really trust them. And that's the fact. The rat brought the boat alongside the bank and made her fast, helped the still awkward mole safely ashore, and swung out the luncheon basket. The mole begged as a favor to be allowed to unpack it all by himself. And the rat was very pleased to indulge him and to sprawl at full length on the grass and rest while his excited friend shook out the tablecloth and spread it, took out all the mysterious packets one by one and arranged their contents in due order, still gasping, oh my, oh my, at each fresh revelation. When all was ready, the rat said, now pitch in, good fellow. And the mole was indeed very glad to obey, for he started his spring cleaning at a very early hour that morning, as people will do, and he had not paused for a bite or a sup and he had been through a very great deal since that distant time, which now seemed so many days ago. "'What are you looking at?' said the rat presently, when the edge of their hunger was somewhat dulled, and the mole's eyes were able to wander away from the tablecloth a little. "'I am looking,' said the mole, "'at a streak of bubbles that I see traveling along the surface of the water.' That is a thing that strikes me as funny. Bubbles? Oh, said the water rat and chirped cheeringly in an invitive sort of way. A broad, glistening muzzle showed itself over the edge of the bank, and the otter hauled himself out and shook the water from his coat. Greedy beggars, he observed. Why didn't you invite me, ratty? Oh, well, this was an impromptu affair, explained the rat. By the way, meet my old friend, Mr. Mole. 
proud, I'm sure, said the otter, and the two animals were friends forthwith. Such a rumpus everywhere, continued the otter. All the world seems to be out on the river today. I came up this backwater to try and get a moment's peace and then stumble upon you fellows. At least, I beg my pardon, I don't exactly mean that, you know. There was a rustle behind them, proceeding from a hedge, where last year's leaves still clung thick, and a stripy head, with high shoulders behind it, peered forth on them. Come on, old badger, shouted the rat. The badger trotted forward a pace or two, then grunted, company, and turned his back and disappeared from view. That's just the sort of fellow he is, observed the disappointed rat. Simply hates society. Now, we shan't see any more of him today. Well, tell us, who's out on the river? Toad's out for one, replied the otter, in his brand new boat, new clothes, new everything. The two animals looked at each other and burst out laughing. <laughs> Once it was nothing but sailing, said the rat. Then he grew tired of that and took to punting instead. Nothing would please him but to punt all day and every day, and a nice mess he made of it. Last year it was houseboating, and we all had to go and stay with him in his houseboat and pretend like we liked it. He was going to spend the rest of his life in a houseboat. It's all the same. Whatever he takes up, he gets tired of it and starts something fresh. Such a good fellow, too, remarked the otter reflectively but no stability, especially in a boat. From where they sat, they could see a glimpse of the main stream across the island that separated them, and just then a boat flashed into view. The rower, a short, stout figure, splashingly badly and rolling a good deal, but working his hardest. The rat stood up and hailed him, but Toad, for it was he, shook his head and settled sternly to his work. He'll be out of the boat in a minute if he rolls like that, said the rat, sitting down again. Of course he will, chuckled the otter. Did I ever tell you that good old story about Toad and the lock keeper? It happened this way. Toad, an errant mayfly, swerved unsteadily athwart the current. A swirl of water and a cloop, and the mayfly was visible no more. Neither was the other. The mole looked down. The otter's voice was still in his ears, but the turf on which he had sprawled was clearly vacant. Not an otter to be seen as far as the distant horizon. But again, there was a streak of bubbles on the surface of the river. The rat hummed a tune and the mole recollected that an animal etiquette forbade any sort of comment on the sudden disappearance of one's friend at any moment, for any reason or for no reason whatsoever. Well, well, said the rat, I suppose we ought to be moving. I wonder which one of us had better pack the luncheon basket. He did not speak as if he was frightfully eager for the treat. Oh, please let me, said the mole. So, of course, the rat let him. The afternoon sun was getting low and the rat sculled gently homeward in a dreamy mood, murmuring poetry things over to himself and not paying much attention to the mole. The mole was very full of lunch and self-satisfaction and pride and already felt quite home in a boat, or so he thought. And he was getting a bit restless besides, and presently he said, Ratty, please, I want to row now. 
The rat shook his head with a smile. <laughs> not yet, my young friend, he said. Wait till you've had a few lessons. It's not as easy as it looks. The mole was quiet for a minute or two, but he began to feel more and more jealous of Rat, sculling so strongly and so easily along, and his pride began to whisper that he could do it every bit as well. He jumped up and seized the skulls so suddenly that the Rat, who was gazing out over the water and saying more poetry things to himself, was taken surprise and fell backwards off his feet with his legs in the air for a second time while the triumphant mole took his place and grabbed the skulls with entire confidence. Stop it at once, you silly, cried the rat from the bottom of the boat. You can't possibly do it. You'll have us over. The mole flung the skulls back with a flourish and made a great dig at the water. He missed the surface altogether. His legs flew up above his head and he found himself lying on top of the rat. Greatly alarmed, he had made a grab at the side of the boat and the next moment, sploosh, over went the boat, and he found himself struggling in the river. Then a firm paw gripped him by the back of his neck. It was the rat, and he was evidently laughing. The mole could feel him laughing right down his arm through his paw, and so into the mole's neck. The rat got a hold of the skull and shoved it under the mole's arm. Then he did the same with the other side. And swimming behind him propelled the helpless animal to the shore, hauled him out, and set him down on the bank, a squashy, pulpy lump of misery. When the rat had rubbed him down a bit and wrung some of the wet out of him, he said, Now then, old fellow, trot up and down and towing path as you, as hard as you can, till you're warm and dry again, while I dive for the luncheon basket." When all was ready for a start once more, the mole, limp and dejected, took his seat in the stern of the boat. As they set off, he said in a low voice, broken with emotion, Braddy, my generous friend, I'm so very sorry indeed for my foolish and ungrateful conduct. My heart quite fails me when I think how I might have lost that beautiful luncheon basket. Indeed, I have a complete, been a complete ass and I know it. Will you look over this at once and forgive me and let things go on as before? That's all right. Bless you, responded the rat cheeringly. What's a little wet to a water rat? I'm in the water more than I'm out of it these days. Don't think any more about it. And look here. I really think you better come with me and stop for a minute. It's very plain and rough, you know, not like Toad's house and all my house, but you haven't seen it yet, still, and I can make you comfortable. And I can teach you how to row and how to swim, and you'll soon be as handy on the water as any of us. This day was only the first of many similar ones for the mole, each of them longer and full of interest as the ripening summer moved onward. He learned to swim, to row, and entered the joy of running water. And with his ear to the reed streams, he caught at intervals something of what the wind went whispering so cons constantly among them. End of chapter one. So that was the end of chapter one, guys. In it, we met mole and rat, water rat. We met otter 
we heard about Toad and saw him from a distance and we saw Badger just for a moment. But you see Mole is the first time that he's ever came out of his little burrow in the ground for winter, found this river, never saw one before, and was just and fell in love with it and met a great friend in Water Rat and they went all around the river. They met Otter for a little bit and then he mysteriously just saw a fly in the water and just took off and they saw Toad and Badger made an appearance and then they rode back home and and Mole accidentally flipped the boat and they fell in the water but Water Rat said it's no problem let me take you home with me and for the rest of the summer I'm going to teach you how to row a boat and how to swim and all that stuff. So that's where we're going to end with chapter one and we'll be back next week with chapter two called The Open Road. I hope you're enjoying The Wind in the Willows guys. Good night. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sleepy Head Stories. (laughs) Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. And if you want to hear more, you can go on our website at sleepyheadstoriespodcast.com or check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Leave us a message, ask for a shout out, maybe request a book, and we'll get back to you. Thanks so much for listening.